Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, welcome back to Indie Game Business, our second show of the year. Uh, it's a wonderful, blustery cold where I am, and Otis, our guest, is out in LA where I'm guessing they don't have snow at the moment. Uh, but today, we are going to be talking all about music soundtracks with Otis Rackman from Mind Your Music. We're going to start at my favorite place where we always start. So, Otis, Tell everyone, and let's go through how you originally got into games from whatever it was you were doing before, and just walk us through your career up to this point. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I uh, I was doing the musician thing for a little while. I wrote a theme song to a cartoon. I did a few different gigs here and there. And then just kind of gradually, and through my mother, who... Uh, is a music supervisor. I started working on TV shows, doing some music coordinator work. Uh, my first show was actually for Netflix. It's called Moving Art, and it's kind of a Planet Earth type show with some really nice instrumental music. So I worked with musicians for that. Started building a good network of musicians to work with, and then my next project was uh, Beyond Blue, which was my first game and actually my favorite project that I've gotten to work on. So in my mind, I was you know trying to figure out how you came about getting into our little circle and getting onto the show, but you just answered that right there for me. So you worked with Heather on Beyond Blue then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, one first question, which cartoon was it you were the theme for? So that was uh, for Skylanders Academy, which is also video game related, Skylanders. So, I'm very familiar with it yeah, from when I, my son I, was younger. Yes. Okay. Well, you've probably heard my lyric writing then. <laughs> that theme song, I am one of the writers of the lyrics. Excellent. So what is, your, what is spurring the movement from TV and, and movies, you know, which is a much larger, more stable, more mature industry than, than ours is, into games? Why games? Really, it's my own interest in games and me. I like a lot of movies. I like a lot of TV shows, but I think the real artistic innovation is just happening in video games right now. And uh, I think a lot of people here wouldn't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no we're, we're, we're very, we're very proud of that. That's, um, but it is. I mean, this is a very... <sighs> I don't want to say new industry because we've been around for 40 or 50 years, but you know, when you compare it to television and movies and how things are done and there's always like, there's a status quo. It's like, Oh yeah, this <laughs> is what you do to make a movie. 
that doesn't exist in games. And so, I mean, are you, I mean, I would say if anything, the AAA side is more related to, I mean, yeah, closer yeah. to movies and, and television. I mean, they're hiring movies. a lot of the people that I work with now for a lot of those AAA projects and stuff at Activision, those kind of companies. Yeah. They're going to Hollywood and getting these music supervisors from there. So I guess there must be more connection then. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and that's what, but I mean, we all love the indie side. And so that's more of like what you've done on Beyond Blue, where there's not as much structure and you know a lot of the teams coming in don't know how to you know do some of the things that's, that's just why we do this on the business side so let's start at the very beginning it's like how does a game developer or you know an individual or a team as a studio how do they get along that initial route of building a soundtrack for a game where do you start yeah so there i mean there are a ton of different ways, one of which would be going to someone like me, a music supervisor who can help you navigate some of these like kind of tricky paperwork things as well that happen with music licensing. And they can also help you build your soundtrack. A good music supervisor should have a couple of good musicians that they know, composers and things like that. Um, that they can hook you up with. And then also, you know, they'll probably have some connection. If there's someone else who they don't know, maybe they'll know someone who knows them and that kind of stuff. And that's how you find uh, great musicians. Um, yeah, yeah. Hi. So is it, when your role as a, as a music supervisor, and I'll confess, confess, of all the titles in our industry, that's a new one to me. Are you acting more as like a producer? So you're, how much of the music are you composing versus how much are you going out and organizing all the other stuff to get it done? Okay, well, I can tell you, I'm composing zero of the music as it is right now. Um, some, sometimes my music has ended up in projects that I work with, but I really do not push that or anything. It just happens naturally. Um, but so I, I do not compose. I, I am helping people get with composers who are very talented, more talented than me. And that, that is what I'm doing is I'm helping hook people up with that. I'm helping get in with the, um, with the record labels and talk about things if somebody has a band they really like sometimes my job is actually not choosing music it's just to go out there and do what i'm told to and get the song <laughs> handle that paperwork negotiate those prices those kind of things and i i'm not I'm, i mean it's almost not a creative job when you do that and that's cool too though i like it and i like seeing people put together their dream soundtrack so um sometimes it's like that and then sometimes it's more of a collaborative thing that's how it was on beyond blue where we were going back and forth on a lot of different artists and they had people that they wanted to bring in and i had my own ideas we put them together we saw what we could negotiate and get and put it together a really good soundtrack so I mean, in, in reality your job is a lot like mine you know I, I don't do the production and i don't you know 
license a lot of the stuff out. But when developers come to me and say, hey, I want this license for a video game, it, that's exactly what, what I do as well. And sometimes okay, you have cool. to have that conversation with them and go, listen, you want a million dollar song, but you only have $15,000 budget. So we're going to have to do some uh, some adjustments here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's the other way around, though, too. You know, people they think they are big fans of these artists and they think like, Oh my God, like how am I going to approach this artist? But believe it or not, a lot of these artists are people who kind of need a gig themselves and also like cool stuff. So if you have something cool, they might see it and they'll be like, okay, you know, maybe I don't give you the same price as I did when I had my song on Grey's Anatomy. Maybe we work out something a little different here or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, what, and I know this is this is why under my name it says it depends because ninety percent of the questions that come up in the show it, it depends. If a developer wants to go out and build a soundtrack around a game instead of you know not do full composition, they literally want to build a soundtrack. What sort of pricing should they be planning for? That can depend. I think. Well, yeah, yeah, that depends. Yeah, it does. It, does. it yes. really does. Um, that whew, it's you know, if we're talking, you want a big act, you're probably going to need to have upwards of ten, maybe twenty k. If we're talking about a big act here, which might be affordable for some indie games. That really depends, though. Some I've talked with some people. There's been sometimes things that have surprised me before that have happened where it's people, you know, you would think like, oh, no way are they going to do it for that much? And they do. And then there's also the opposite, too. That I mean, That's actually cheaper than I thought it was going to be. Um, well, it definitely can be more expensive. However, a lot of people do take your budget into account when you're doing something. So that was kind of my estimate for an indie game. However, as we've seen, um, indie games can be very wide ranging in budget scope and all that. So is it, is it a situation where, and, and I know, cause we work with licensees that do this too on the brand licensing side, you said there's something, you know, if there's something cool, they're like, Oh, well, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Have things like, you know, years ago, rock band a guitar hero but even like more recently with like games like beat saber has that changed the way that hollywood looks at music in games or is it still pretty much the same i think things are changing uh generally they are the same and because of my interest in video games i'm super plugged into that other people it hasn't been, and I'm not sure it's so much games like Beat Saber. However, a game like Red Dead Redemption 2, that that hit Hollywood. They they were well, paying attention to that one. Yeah. Uh, not an indie game, of course. That, that's a $300 million game, though. That's yeah, a, where people worked themselves to death for many years. And Well, oh, I mean, yeah. to be fair, people worked themselves to death for much lower budgets in this industry as, as well. True, um, true. So how does it... How is it different when you're going from television and movies, which is much much more linear, and so uh -huh. you know it's like this scene is going to be happening, so we need to have you know this type of question. This I'm reading the bottom. This type of music in it to you know something like games that is much more interactive. 
how does the planning around all of that change between those two mediums? Oh man. So that is, it depends. Um, but that would be right now. There kind of hasn't been a convention established is kind of the thing. So in movie licenses, we say we're playing your song during this scene for a minute and a half in a game. Maybe you have a, a playlist and you can select it and you can play it anytime you want. You need to put that language on your contract. That is incredibly important. However, there hasn't really been a convention established as to how much does that make your price go up? Does it make your price go up? How does that affect when it's a low budget project, a high budget project? So they're really, um, they haven't quite figured that out yet. And a big thing that I I want to, this is my my cause right now, is I want to get people to put language in their contracts that allows streamers to play their music. Um, I think that that's a big part of promoting your game. And I don't like streamer modes and stuff. I mean, it's an okay solution for now, but I what I really want is people just being allowed to show the whole game, the whole piece of art with the music intact. So I put that stuff on my contracts. However, there's a whole broken system on YouTube and Twitch with copyright. It's probably AI doing it a lot of the time where it's getting flagged for copyright, even though we specifically negotiated this thing. So there is, that is, <laughs> that is the one thing I got to bring up. No, I mean, that's so annoying. <laughs> that is a huge thing. And the frustrating part of it is a lot of the times, even with that language, it still gets kicked. I can't remember who yeah. it was. There's a guitarist. That's, that's what happened to me. Yeah. There, there's a guitarist that does songs. I mean, she teaches people how to play. I can't remember who it is. It's from one of the big metal bands that I grew up with. And, his stuff got rejected because he's playing his own music yeah. On, yeah. on there. So it, but I mean, is it something that can be solved with a contract with a publisher or a developer, or is that something that has to be resolved with Twitch and YouTube? Um, yeah, that is something that needs to be resolved with Twitch and YouTube. That is something that needs to be resolved with the publishing companies and the record companies as well. That is something that probably needs to be resolved with these companies that they have, you know, kind of like trawling the internet for copyright yeah. written material as well. That is a multifaceted issue. My hope is, though, is that there's going to be some big game and their big company with big money and they're just not going to let it slide. They're going to make sure that this happens the right way and maybe that will enact the change that these indie games will be needing as well so they can have copywritten licensed music that they paid for that they negotiated for the rights for in streams so yeah. that's my hope for it is that somebody more powerful will come along <laughs> and they'll change this system because right now it there's some flaws is it how does gta 5 handle it because i mean that's the first thing that comes to mind when i'm thinking I, as far they, as i know i think gta 5 is uh well, you know what? I haven't watched a stream of it. I haven't <laughs> you, either. That's why I was hoping yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I know, you know, you play Cyberpunk, you play all or uh, Hi-Fi Rush even, where yeah. the music is such an important part of it. And that, you know, has a streamer mode. So there's music that they licensed and it's 
doesn't get shown when people are looking at it on their stream. And you know, good music sells games. <laughs> people oh, yeah. can see good music, even if it's not original to the game itself. And that is more copies sold. So it's, you know, it's uh, it's money on the table for everybody. Back, back in the day, I had the box set that came with GTA Vice City for with because they put everything on a CD and sold it as a box set. Yeah, well. yeah, I and, remember those. Yes. Again, showing my age there. That must have been like five or ten CDs. It was like yeah, it was like six or seven CDs. Yeah, because they, they had like one for every single radio station in the game, and that's why I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. So if there's yeah, something that's going to push streaming. it that game ever <laughs> and playing the radio and it shouldn't be that way it's i i view you know video games as like it's the music it's the writing it's the interactive design it's the sound effects it's everything and why are we okay with leaving this aspect you know just we'll just have to leave that out we'll cut that out streamer mode uh, Ash is telling me backstage that you will get DMCA strikes okay. if you're playing okay. GTA so there 5. You go. So, but hey, uh, or GTA 6, maybe that will be the game that is going to make this big change. Because I think that there's, sadly, that's my hope. Because I, I don't know if, I I think it's got to be somebody with a lot of money behind them who's going well, to yeah, go to and, these and, industries and make these changes there, there we go with, with take twos um oh wow we have a bot it's always nice when we get bots because that means we're big enough to get bots <laughs> um so you i'm assuming so did your mom grow up playing video games or were, were you the first one in the in the family <laughs> she, that she, came up i, I know she played some pong some uh you know, <laughs> pong some didn't have a soundtrack man yes. and all that but <laughs> No. However, she did have um, friends in the video game industry. So growing up, I was so lucky. I got to uh, beta test some games. I don't even think I was really beta testing, though. I think it was just her friends being nice to me and letting me play games ahead of time. So I got to play uh, Muppet Treasure Island, the point-and-click adventure game, which is great. Um, <laughs> and then also the game Apocalypse, if you remember that game yep. they had Bruce Willis in. <laughs> uh that one's pretty good too i remember and uh so and that was through her friend alan gershenfeld later founded eline media which created beyond blue he went to my mother my mother said hey my son is getting involved in music supervision and he's a friggin gamer so he should he should be involved with this and got me in there and so i got to work with alan gershenfeld again after being a beta tester at the age See? of seven and ironically enough, it's testing that gets a lot of us into this industry in one way. You or know, another. I didn't even think about that, but I, I guess I took the typical route. <laughs> so, I mean, when you have developers come to you, especially the indie teams who don't, because somebody like Take Two and Activision, they have entire divisions that are set aside to licensing everything from music to art to guns. So, when the indie teams come to you, the smaller teams, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making from the outset um biggest mistake from the outset i would say is when you don't even come to me and you just <laughs> assume that you can't get the stuff that you want maybe you hear a song and you're like man if i could put that in a trailer for my game that would be wonderful and you're just thinking like oh it's just it's out of a question whatever 
that would be the biggest mistake is just not trying, not asking, um, because you might be surprised. I've seen things go, uh, I've, you know, I've probably handled 100, 150 different individual deals as part of different projects. And I've seen things go all sorts of ways that you wouldn't expect. So I think it's really worth it to ask someone if you can get in contact with the artists themselves, or if you want to ask a music supervisor like me how you would go about that. Um, I think that is the biggest mistake is just assuming that it can't happen. So, I mean, is it something where there needs to be a lot of planning beforehand if, if it, you're coming in to do a soundtrack or is it a situation where they can just say, okay, look, Otis, here's the game that we're making. Here's some video of it. What do you think? How much prep do they need to have in place before they bring you on? Um, it, it Either one of those situations is totally cool and, you know, normal. <laughs> if, if you have a very big musical vision that you've already been putting in place and now you need some help filling it out with some licensed music or maybe you need another composer to come in, I can help you do that. The other thing beyond blue was way more free form back and forth where think you know do you like the flaming lips do you oh here's a scene where this kind of reminds me of this miles davis song and we got to put miles davis in there and it was uh it was with beyond blue it was kind of more like can you build us a soundtrack okay what do you think of these artists they come back to me, we're going back and forth, we're talking about the sound, and we're really so we're working on that musical vision together. Um, other times, some and this is more uh with movies that I say right now because I haven't been able to work on too many games, hoping to change that. Um, but sometimes you have a director and they just they they know what they want. So you're I'm gonna be your errand boy and I'm gonna go get you that paperwork that's gonna make sure you can do what you want to do with that music. So one of the things that we're starting to see over the last, I would say five, maybe 10 years, a lot of games coming with an original soundtrack, and you can mm -hmm. get it on Steam, you should get the whole thing. It's still not nearly as normal as it is for movies because but then again, I haven't bought a movie soundtrack in probably 15 years. So I'm not 100% with streaming. Everything is changing. No one's anyway. bought a movie soundtrack in 15 years. It's been <laughs> an issue for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, one of the things is, you know, what when I was growing up, what made the music soundtrack so appealing is you didn't get an album from an artist that maybe you like two or three songs out of the 10 or 12. You had a variety of songs in there that were all, you know, you like the majority of them, but with streaming coming on now, it's like, now you can just go play that song on its own. All that in mind, how does, do you see the future of game soundtracks going? Is it, are we going to see more and more games that are releasing them like on steam or wherever you're buying your game, or is it going to be one of those things where, everybody just ends up streaming it on Spotify anyway. I think I no I um I think the game soundtrack does still have potential because they're it's not just like oh okay like I know I like this song by this artist because I heard it in this game I'll get the soundtrack I like that music but you know it's a whole 
vision. It's a whole atmosphere. It's a whole, when you put those songs together, something different kind of happens. And if you're just buying the songs individually off iTunes, you don't get that exact feeling even as you would with that playlist. And I think it, I think the, the whole package is very important. I think we're going to continue to see that. However, people buying it on different streaming platforms, that's always a question. Spotify, however, that's cool. And people, you know, play the game, search it on Spotify, get the soundtrack. That sounds pretty smooth. That's how it should be. So I mean, because I mean, there are there are certain songs that you just know when you're listening to, or you remember from watching a movie. There are certain songs that are just iconic, like that, coming from games as well. I mean, I don't know how many times I listened to the World of Warcraft soundtrack over and over and over again because that was just my world for uh -huh. so long. But and and God, I just saw that question pop in, and I completely lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Whatever that was, I just we'll come back to it in just a second. Welcome to my podcast. Um, so we got a question for the Discord. If you could have worked on any music for any video game, what would you like it to be? Oh man. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, there's so many games that I think are really, really oh, okay. Yeah, it's gotta be a racing game. I, I love racing games. I grew up playing Burnout Revenge. I uh, really like them. I feel like lately racing games have kind of gone for a particular atmosphere where it's a lot more calm. And I'm missing, I'm missing some of that pop punk music that I used to hear as a kid. Um, that kind of stuff, those drums and stuff, you know, you hear that. You're starting up the race. You're like, I'm going to win this right now. I'm hearing that aggressive music. And lately it's been a lot of calm music, which is cool too for that moody driving but yeah i'm a big racing game fan i'd love to work on a racing game and just put together the coolest soundtrack for a racing game that people will be listening to driving around i uh yeah i i'm a big fan of racing games and i think music is incredibly important for them burnout revenge was that the one where you got points for crashing your your opponents and it went oh, into like yeah. slow-mo Oh, yeah. <laughs> I missed the shit out of that game. Yeah, um, I actually, <laughs> you know, it starts out with that song. You, you start it up, and I, I still remember it after all these years, and it goes, it's a shotgun, baby. It was you know, it, like, boom, I'm ready. I'm racing. I'm crashing. I'm ready. And now I've played some of these new racing games, and I just, I hear like some like melodic tropical house music, and I'm like, eh, I'm kind of missing the, it's a shotgun, baby. <laughs> the, the and too many. Oh my, I'm going to go on an entire rant here. There are too many sim games now. It's uh -huh. like I don't want to, you know, have to drive carefully through everything. I do miss that entire series and how aggressive. But I also feel like I mean, many times when I got in a real car after I've been playing one of those games for like an hour and a half, I'm like, I should probably not be really driving right now. <laughs> yeah, good good thing I wasn't driving back. Then. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, Nash. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, another excellent. You know, and how me and my friends found out about bands. You know, the Germs. Um, I want to say like Public Enemy, Delta Funky, Homo Sapien. Oh my God, so much good stuff that me and my friends would listen to for the rest of our lives came from those Tony Hawk soundtracks. So, one of the other things. I mean, 
how did your music so, so we're gonna re, we're gonna rewind the, the rackman family tree here for a little bit cool. for the people who aren't my age um so your uncle obviously hosted headbangers ball on mtv for for many many years you had your mom growing up in the movies and television and then you come along in games how did all of those different influences and seeing all of that different types of music influence what you wanted to do in video games oh man well i suppose just it made me very open-minded and you know, while I talk about how I love that aggressive music in racing games and stuff, there is room for it made me be able to appreciate it all and how many different ways there are to kind of juxtapose music with imagery and with fashion. <laughs> and, you know, my uncle being on MTV, that's kind of putting music and the visuals together and having it just be like a music video. It's not a musical. It's not a movie with music in it. It's just, it's a, it's wide open. There's all these new art forms that can come from mixing stuff. And I, that is kind of how I got influenced. And it made me also just like, be like, man, what if they put, think about like different kinds of mixtures and maybe some of the ones that aren't so obvious that can be very interesting such as i mean my mother worked on the movie reservoir dogs there is a scene where That's somebody listens. great soundtrack by the way yeah i, I, I agree i um yeah you know we there is um definitely some interesting musical sequences that little green bag in the title or of course everybody remembers the uh, stuck in the middle with you yes. and you know these aren't obvious choices put the lime in the coconut after the the robbery movie uh, but just liking that quirkiness or just being open to it in all different ways and putting elements from different media into places where it might not usually be that's kind of how i feel like um being from my family which has been always involved in the intersection of music and media has influenced me but but in, in a similar vein this is what i tell parents that come to me and they're like my kid wants to be a game designer or my kid wants to be in the industry what should they do and i'm like you have to play games and you have to play all kinds of games, not only different genres of video games, but you need to be playing board games and table games and, and card games and all this stuff. And so when you have all of these influences, that's not just narrow minded, you know, one zone that you've stayed in, it does help you be better at all of it. And so, I mean, that's very similar to, to a lot of the advice that I give now. So we've got a, a really good question from Eli on Discord. Uh, as individuals can subscribe to a streaming service like Spotify, is there something similar for game studios where they can put their music up there for a streaming ability, allowing players to select a playlist or a type of music to listen to? Um, so what you can do is you can put a soundtrack on Spotify. Uh, we did that with Beyond Blue, and it's also on Apple Music and other platforms. So there isn't exactly a game version of spotify with video game soundtracks however spotify you can put video game soundtracks on there 
as things grow, will there maybe be something like that? That's um, that could happen because I mean, we're seeing there might be so many game soundtracks that there should be a specific streaming app for them. But as of right now, we we go the normal route, which would be to Spotify, Apple Music, all this. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. So, all right, well, I mean, that's a good point right there, too, then. Where do they need to post them? At what point, I mean, Spotify, obviously, Apple Music, YouTube. where else before you hit that point of it's not worth the time to post it based on the money you're going to get? Oh, man. Um, well, definitely Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. Those are all good. Um, that That would be a question that depends. I mean are you talking about like streaming a soundtrack like which platforms to go to or? well it's it's you know we have the same question come up when it turns down to where do you put your game up for distribution i mean mm -hmm. everybody's going to go to steam yeah but then do you go to microsoft do you go to uh amazon you know where else and while you know it's great and there are you know certain sections that i would say you know when developers come to me i said look it needs to be on steam you should also look at Microsoft. You should also look at Green Man Gaming and GOG and maybe Amazon. And it's so weird to say maybe Amazon because they've just never really taken the hold in the game industry like they probably could have. have taken hold of every other aspect. Yeah, of seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it's, it's the same thing. A lot of indie teams, you only have an X amount of hours in the day. And the person who's doing, you know, posting the builds for distribution is the same person that's doing the art or doing the design or something else. And so it's always good to have, you know, an idea of what's the top tier. Okay. I've got a soundtrack. I absolutely need to put it on Spotify, Apple music, YouTube slash Google, whatever Google's calling it this week. Is there what's in that second tier that they should possibly look at? If you have time, put it up there. It's Bam, not going to make probably. Um, and then also doing a physical release. If you have a, this is something that you have to consider because it costs money. But if you maybe have a following and you got a really good soundtrack, a physical uh, vinyl release can be an option as well. Um, yeah, I don't really know where, that would be, if people were saying like, oh, should I go through with this? That would be a question to ask me all kind of run the numbers i'll do some research and try to give you my best opinion on that uh, but that next tier i would say right at the top of it would be vinyl and that's kind of like do you think you can make this pay off and maybe you can and that could be a very cool collector's item people love vinyl and i love vinyl 
people like having that stuff. There was a company years ago, and they may still be around, but it's been several years since I was out in Vegas at the licensing show. And this company, that's all they did. They went and licensed music from top tier game. Mm -hmm. And oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's there's like five different companies okay. like that now. Yeah. It's just a matter of making sure that your game's big enough and you're so it's not what I'm trying to get at is it's not necessarily something where you as the developer or the publisher need to go out and pay a bunch of money to get a bunch of vinyls printed and everything else. Mm -hmm. You can actually go to some of these companies and say, look, we're interested in having you license it and get some money in that way instead, or do these license, do the licensing companies make you pay for your hardware? It, it can be either way. I feel like the way that it's going to go for most indie game people probably would be that they would have to pay for it. However, if you got that following and you got that good soundtrack, that might be a way to go. Or maybe this is a game that's already been out. Maybe you're doing a definitive edition type of thing and you then want to do a soundtrack with it and you already know that there's a good amount of fans and stuff. You might want to produce a few hundred or maybe even thousand, depending on your following, uh, copies of vinyl. Um, and you usually you would have to pay for that. It can depend, though. Different deals can be made. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to it's like everything. Else it depends. Life, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it depends on how big you are and how much following you've got. But what we're what you're getting at is it's not something you're going to get rich off of. No, no, this would be this would be kind of a gift to the fans. However, you you could make money off of it, and I don't want to say it's so nervous. You could make money. No, I, you, you can make money off of it. Hypothetically, you could do, but it is something that's that's really cool because I remember the the company that I saw that was doing it. You know, they would have the art on the vinyl as well, like a game logo or something. Oh, yeah. it, even if you never put it on a record player, it looked badass. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's a collector's item. It's yeah. a, it's a, a, a way I can, you know, sometimes with these finals, it's a way I can support a developer that I really like and just show that I love a soundtrack rather than actually playing it a lot on my vinyl player. It can be a lot of different things, a piece of vinyl. And that's why it's still where other physical media is not doing so well vinyl you see it going up because it has that value i was curious about that because i you know i'm I, i'm obviously growing up on vinyl i look at it now and i'm like how long can this trend actually stay viable before people just give up on this but it's been going for 10 it, or 15 it years it keeps going yeah it's, yeah. it's it has not gone <laughs> no. away at all all right so if you're out there, if you got a question, anything about music, music licensing, all the stuff, pop it in chat. We've only got about 20 more minutes here, so make sure we get everything in there. What is it that you look for in a game when people come to you and say, hey, look, we want to do this? Are there certain types of games that you're most interested in working with? Is it something about the gameplay? What makes the game pop out to you so you're interested in working on the music side? Oh, um, okay. Well, there are a lot of different things. Sometimes that can be a gameplay connection. Um, sometimes that can be more of a style thing. If your game has a flavor to it and it's just giving me, I'm like, 
tasting and smelling your game because the UI sound effects are so cool in the style. And I feel this atmosphere. That's really cool. <laughs> like that, that's awesome. And we can talk about like, what is that I'm picking up on here? And how do we just crank it up with music, whether that's licensed or by a composer? How do we get get that atmosphere even heavier definitely like a a weird game um you know some i i one of my favorite indie games that i played in the last few years was that game inscription oh man that was a real and great soundtrack too oh my really good soundtrack so like if something's like getting me intrigued that's totally cool and then also i connect with games uh on a gameplay level if I see that somebody, <laughs> if anyone's making a game like Jagged Alliance 2 and they were to send that to me, I would help, I would help them because <laughs> I loved that game and like that, that's my favorite game of all time. So, you know, like I would do it even if the style isn't there, even <laughs> if just pixels moving around, let's start talking, let's see what we can do with it and bring that out to a full a full, a fuller musical vision, you know? So there's, there's multiple ways to uh, get my heart. <laughs> As a, another turn-based strategy fan, the good news is those games are making a huge comeback. Yeah, so, yeah, Jagged Alliance 3 was great and really good music too. I was, I was playing that game and I was like, wait, they did not need to make the music this good. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so Jagged Alliance 3, check it out, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of those as well. Yeah, I mean, I like all sorts of different games. So sometimes, you know, that's a game I don't connect with so much, like stylistically. It's not like it's not like Killer Seven or something, but it's like uh, you know. But I connect as a gameplay level, and then there's the stuff where the style and the world and everything just brings me in. And even if the gameplay isn't all that there, it's every other aspect of that vision create created that's like really connecting with me so there's yeah <laughs> all right so this is going back to i mean the yeah, question coming in from discord going back to the youtube stuff can you provide any guidance or recommendation for contesting dmca strikes on streaming platforms when it comes to your game oh man i'm trying to remember this because when i was doing this it was about four years ago and it was a um it was whack-a-mole Streamer puts something up, gets taken down, you know, and also we like, we had some deals with streamers where we gave them the game and we wanted them to stream it. It was part of our kind of promotion thing. And this was getting a major wrench thrown into it because of the DMCA strike. So we would handle it on that video and then we'd have to go on to the next video and we'd have to take it like that. So we did it. We were able to handle it for some of the streamers who we had these kind of deals with where we gave them the game for free and they were going to stream it for us. We, Because those were, you know, at the top of our list and brought to our attention uh, very quickly when they were like, hey, you told me to stream this and uh, now it's getting taken down. They were yeah. not happy about that. So it was, it was whack-a-mole. We had to just take it as it came to us. And it was incredibly frustrating and there needs to be real changes made there. I mean, is there, this is a side of the industry that I don't 
know anything about. Is there a way to go to these platforms beforehand and say, look, we're there? Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I will look into that next time, but I think we did. I think we did try to do that. And these companies, they're, they're handling every, you know, hour. They have another hundred hours of videos uploaded to them. They don't, it's, you can't get through to them. You gotta, you gotta get through to these companies that own the copyright. You maybe need to even talk. We talked with some of these AI things. I remember, or not um, some of these, you know, things that kind of trawl the internet for copyrighted material. Um, and we had to talk with those companies, which it, it was difficult. And it was, it was a multi-step process. It was, and the whole time it was okay. We had it in our contract that this was okay to do. So it was very frustrating. What? And it's only going to get worse because, I mean, like, yesterday... I, I think things will get better. I think that there's going to be a big change, and it's probably going to happen because of GTA 6 or something. But <laughs> Twitch just laid off 500 people yesterday. And so as these streaming... Mm -hmm. Google's been doing it all, all year as well. If they continue to cut down on the staff that's handling this stuff... I mean, we saw it with Twitter a year ago... All of a sudden, it didn't matter what you said on Twitter anymore because yeah. the moderation teams got fired. And so as we see all this downsizing happening, it's going to get harder and harder until some sort of whatever system is put in place. But mm -hmm. well, it, a lot of the system's automated right now, which makes it especially hard to deal with because sure. it, it is following its protocol and it, you know, it won't listen to you so, so we need a system to monitor the system basically uh yes i think so well i i think what we need is we just something's got to break this down and make it kind it, it, you know what it is so complicated and it is a but that is my that is my political cause is that i want i want the streamers to be able to play the music in the games and, as and long as, as me, if it's negotiated for in the contract, well, yeah, if, if you have the right. Yeah. But <laughs> the cynic in me goes, okay, well, they're not the you know these platforms are not going to be incentivized to really do it anyway because if they block your monetization, they don't have to pay you. Mm -hmm. They still get the people coming in and watching and on their platform, mm -hmm. but now they don't have to pay you anything for for the ads that are going in there. But again, I've been doing this a very long time, and I'm very very cynical at this point. No, that is that is a an aspect that does need to be considered though when looking at the issue is it is it easier with original soundtracks than it is oh yeah yes but it can still go wrong which is really weird when you think about it you know i mean that like you're streaming the game it's the score it's composed for the game it was the composer was looking at the game when they did it and it was supposed to be together and then you get youtube and twitch and they're splitting it apart um it can't but it is it is better for the original music however if it's registered and you maybe have a record company that just puts their stuff to you know puts it into these content collectors and stuff it can still go wrong, which uh, does happen sometimes. The, and see, yeah, I think there's another one of the problems right there. When the more third parties that are involved in it, 
the more complex it's going to get and the less likely it's going to be that something's not going to go wrong. Um, all right. Another question from Discord. When you're creating music for an indie game, what factors should be considered to ensure that the soundtrack complements the atmosphere and narrative? Okay. That is a big question. I would say a little exercise I like to do when I'm working on a soundtrack is to think of the most obvious idea and then cross that off the list. That is not what we, sh you know, sad music, sad piano music with the sad scene. That's probably not the right way to go. <laughs> um, so you just try to get a little deeper and try to think about try to think about the headspace that you want your player to be in do you want deep concentration ambient mathematical music do you want warm orchestral music do you want classy chamber orchestral music you know just kind of think about what are you trying to communicate to your player? Do you want your player to be scared? Do you want them to feel cozy? Um, so definitely that, and then kind of just always throwing out the most obvious idea, 99% of the time that gets me to something better. I'd like to take the most obvious answer and throw it right out the window. That's, that's good for a lot of things. Um, so from Jimmy on the Discord, is it okay if some composers reached out to you to join your network of musicians, maybe send you a disco link? I don't know. Yes, yes. Oh, that that sounds great. Um, so let me just check our website here. I work with my mom's company, Mind Your Music, and we have a contact thing on there. And if you go to our website... Okay, yeah, if you go to our website and our about page on mindyourmusic.com, there is my email. It is otis at mindyourmusic.com. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have given everyone my email, but oh well. Don't um, worry. If you have it on the well, website, I'm everybody gonna, knows it be, anyway. I want to be working on more games, so let's get let's get that happening. So otis at mindyourmusic.com. You can send me a disco link, and it's super cool that that person knows about disco. That means they're ahead of the game because disco is the app they're, they're ahead of me i have no idea what disco is what is disco uh so disco is i i have a giant music database i every time so i get music sent by a lot of different musicians record companies composers people will say hey listen to my stuff and if i like it i upload it onto my disco i try to tag it to oh this is something that's Here's some advice for people sending their music on disco. Do that metadata, do that tagging, because then it will come up in my searches. When I'm searching for Western music, I want some Ennio Morricone or whatever, and you have that song, um, put Western in your metadata, put it in your tag. So when I search Western, I get that. So I put all this music onto disco if I like it, and I... Uh, Sometimes we'll try to sort it as well with tags like that, different emotions, different atmospheres and things like that. It is, it's really good though, because people can put their music on there and then they send me a playlist and I just click a button and it gets added to my database and I can search it now and I have it. And two years down the line, when somebody's asking me for something, if that comes up, I can, I have your, 
put your contact information and your metadata. Oh, too. Sake, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. a lot to say about Disco too, but uh, Disco's great. It's good you're good you're using it. So Disco then is it's a platform that you can use if you're looking for a certain style of music or genre Actually, of music. I can I can use it to search for a style of music if I already have that music uploaded to my disco database, which <laughs> okay. is all right, almost probably a terabyte by now. Um, and it's uh, so I can if I already have it, it's it's uh, it's really handy for music supervisors. And if I were to go into it, it would get a little boring. But it's a great app for music supervisors. It's great if you want to get your music placed into stuff check out disco um it really helps because every music supervisor is using it and then when you send us a playlist it's one button we don't need to download upload blah 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 we just click that button we have it and tag your stuff do your metadata because that is really going to help you get noticed see and there there i learned something today so that's that's always that's always a good thing um from eli if you're not streaming via Twitch and YouTube, but you want to embed music in a multiplayer VR game, does that change the equation or what you need to do? Oh, if you're okay with not having your music on uh, Twitch and YouTube, uh, that is fine. Just put in a streamer mode because, you know, the video could get just taken down 100% or the sound can get cut off and then you can't hear the streamer as they're talking. Um, so... Uh, how does that change the equation? Multiplayer, I don't know yet because I haven't worked on a multiplayer game. However, I kind of feel like that wouldn't change the equation too much. You know, you're still booting up the game and the music plays in a certain part, a different level. It loops a certain amount of times or maybe you can select it from a playlist. I don't know if multiplayer would change the equation um, at all unless it were... You know, um, now we're seeing some of these uh, games as services and they're changing their soundtracks. So maybe they just get the rights to a song for three months, six months, a year or whatever, and then change it and switch it out with some new stuff. Um, that does change the equation. And that can that can mean a lot less money if you're willing to have a song in your game for a shorter period of time. However, I really do not like making those deals because then then six months after they're calling you back and you gotta you're you're back working on the game handling their paperwork but it's also uh it can be a bit of a hassle i like people knowing that it's all been paid for and it's handled but some games do you know need those shorter contracts so, and this is a good one because this is something that I recommend using mm -hmm. for a lot of teams that don't have a lot of money is like, yeah. go get a public domain license. Like, and a lot of people don't realize that that stuff is, I mean, famously now everybody's looking at it because Steamboat Willie finally it, went into It's now in the public domain. <laughs> yeah. D Disney finally got tired of paying Congress, you know, to get this law extended. But what are your thoughts on using public domain music or remixing it for games? It's all good. I, um, you know, I was just helping a friend's daughter uh, work on a student film and we put in some public domain music. However, there are um, caveats. And, you know, while we had a song, 
you okay well public domain laws change from country to country so that's a whole lot of complexity you might have something that is public domain in your own country but then when it reaches another country it is now a something you can be sued over or you know at least send some mean emails um and, and get so you got to make sure about that um and, but public joke, I mean, there's a lot of great music in the public domain, a lot of folk music with melodies that are, if you're making your own recording of a public domain song or getting a friend of yours to do their own recording, you're more in the clear, but you really, really got to check that stuff because the laws differ from country to country. There can be lots of caveats that you got to watch out for and also there's a lot of misinformation about what is public domain and not that i have sometimes had to navigate where i'm like oh yeah this is public domain i've i have five sources here telling me it is you talk to some other people and it turns out it is very not public domain or at least isn't in most countries so you got to be really careful with that i would and i'm i would uh advise doing a lot of research um, one time I was looking for public domain songs and I asked an AI, like, Hey, you give me, give me some public oh, domain songs. Good. Let's just, <laughs> let's just start, let's, you know, let's get the brain, let's get things moving. Let's see what they give me. There were, they gave me 10 songs. I swear eight of them, not public domain at all. So do your research and don't rely on AI. Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue is not public domain. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, it turns out you got to pay for that song. So are you, where do you, because I don't even know where to go. Where do you go to find public domain music? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know. I know of stuff off the top of my head, examples and different things that you can look at. You know, like if we're talking about some weird old or not necessarily weird but some world war one folk song or something you know like that's probably public domain but you always gotta check um it's usually if it's old <laughs> you can <laughs> that's a good place to start but do not rely on that because you gotta you really gotta research this stuff different countries different rules it gets complex and sticky quickly. So if if it's not really, really old, and we're talking like Bach and Beethoven here, and or it's got, I mean, a World War One folk song, I mean, that's like super niche. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you maybe you rearrange that melody and now it's a jazz song. But it's, you know, and you are using their melody and their chord progressions, and however, it's now through some synthesizers it's 8-bit it's whatever that would be okay that is something you got to check with though too is like you gotta if uh there's two sides to every song there is the song as it's written so there is the let's say there is a song nothing compares to you written by prince performed by prince also performed by Sinead o'connor and then there's the recording so the Sinead o'connor version is a recording of the Prince song. So if you license that song, you got to get the writers of the original song and you have to make, get the recording, which would be the Sinead O'Connor version. Um, so there are two sides to every song. So the song 
the melody, the words could be public domain, but you would need to make sure that you are also using a recording that is public domain, which is way more rare. So Bach and Beethoven, they might have works in the public domain, but the London Symphony Orchestra, when they do the recording of that song, that is not public domain. That is a really, really good point. Yeah. Um, and I had not thought about that, but yes, that is absolutely somewhere where you can get in a shitload of trouble. Uh-huh. That, that is why people come to the music supervisors. These things can get complicated, especially when you have multiple writers on a song, too, yeah. who might have different record labels, and maybe one of them hasn't really been working in the music industry for a couple of years. And well, I mean, you had part. a great example because both parties in Nothing Compares to You are dead. So now you're exactly. dealing with the estate or, you know, mm -hmm. whoever, you know, is managing those rights. And so nothing compares to you, by the way, not public domain. No, no <laughs> just get that out of the way <laughs> to be, to be very clear. Um, all right. So we got time for one more. Is there a way that an indie dev can do due diligence to confirm a music artist isn't infringing on another artist? Ooh. That is a good question. And I'm going to call this the Puff Daddy slash police question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, we try to be careful of that. You know, I, um, while sometimes I work on projects by myself, I am part of Mind Your Music, and there is a really great team, including my, my mother, and we all kind of review each other's work to make to look over things like that, it can be, that can be difficult though. Really the way that you got to do your due diligence is just by showing it to other members of your team, maybe showing it to some friends and family um, and just really trying to listen closely, you know, listen to that music that's going on under the action scene and be like, am I hearing something there? Because sometimes that does happen. And I'm talking, I've worked with really talented people and sometimes they just happen to get a little influenced. I don't know, yeah. it flips in their dreams or something. It's like, it comes out and you gotta, you gotta make sure that that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, it can be, it, that can be difficult really what i'd say is just be running it by people be talking be incommunicado all the time be talking about hey where's this idea coming from do you and bring it up to like do you think that this sounds a little familiar because stuff can sound familiar but still totally be okay um and in fact unfortunately since that Pharrell, like uh, Robin Thicke lawsuit with the Marvin Gaye song. Well, there was that one, and then there was the Ed Shireen. And, and then there was well, the Ed Shireen one with the Marvin, another Marvin Gaye song. That one I heard a little bit. <laughs> but there's also. <laughs> was that who, I, I just remember him being in court playing something. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Robin Thicke one, though, it's like that doesn't. It doesn't share the chords. It doesn't share the melody. But they decided that the vibe was similar. So that, the like. vibe? Kinda, I know it's so weird and that I that case upsets me a lot because there was really um so that you know I think about this stuff and I'm like yeah like songs can sound similar and it's okay however there's an example of one time it didn't work however that is a very big artist that was a very big song 
the Marvin Gaye estate might have been more litigious with, or I don't know if litigious, they might have uh, pursued them harder than they would other things that they might not notice. However, you got to be careful about that. That that one lawsuit, though, I just think about that and it throws everything up in the air. It was a weird one, and I hope that never happens again because that really wasn't the right uh, decision there. <laughs> so basically, just be ready. You could be sued at any point, any time. No, no, I don't no, want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, look, it hasn't happened to me yet, and I think also I've been working. I've been working with artists. We make sure there has been times where things sound a little similar, and we work out those kinks. We get through that, and we get something that sounds better and more distinctive out of it. How do you like justify that the vibe is that? That's fucking. Crazy. I know. I welcome to America and I, our court system. <laughs> that case, it just like it. It it was a really really weird one a very upsetting one because it yeah i know it makes no sense you look at the sheet music it's different what what's the issue oh my God. you can't well, make like a well whatever yeah yeah i mean we, we see it in in every aspect of american legal culture as well so it shouldn't be that shocking but uh, but no, but thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's always wonderful when I can do one of these talks and even I learn shit in the middle of it. And so that's absolutely fantastic. Mindyourmusic.com if you want to. Com. Otis at mindyourmusic.com. You can send me a disco link. If you're working on a game, I'd love to see it. Um, I'm not just in the business. I'm a big fan and I like to see what people are doing. I even sometimes try to do my own stuff here and there, nothing for fun. So I, I like seeing what people are working on. Well, Matt, we greatly appreciate it. And so for everyone else, we'll be back next week, but do not forget to sign up for the discord. It's discord.gg slash indie game business. Thank you, Ash. My brain is not working because we do our pitch deck reviews every Thursday. Plus it's a wonderful community of around almost 7,000 people, professionals in the industry. Now um, our next event is coming up February 20th and 21st. Uh, you can actually get a discount code to get access. If you're going to dice in Vegas, get tickets to that for the real life and then ours as well which is coming up a week or two after uh and the other big news that i'm going to assume we can say now the contract signed it hasn't been formally announced but for all of you that are participating in global game jam we are going to be doing a series of talks the week after global game jam along the lines of now you made a jam game what do you do next if you want to get it to market? Uh, and we're going to be working very closely with the team over there and doing a lot of stuff on the business education side. And I'm super excited about it. But yes, that's it. Dan's way better doing this shit at the end than I am. Um, Otis, thank you so much. We will obviously be pointing people in your direction. Uh, and to everybody else, have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.